0: Slate Plus members, it's survey time again, which means it's your chance to tell us what you think about Slate Plus and Slate in general. It'll only take a few minutes, and you can find it at slate.com slash survey.
1: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear
0: Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear
1: Prudence. Dear Prudence.
0: Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help.
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Rax King, the James Beard Award-nominated writer of Tacky, forthcoming from Vintage Books in 2021, as well as the host of the podcast, Low Culture Boil. And now here's our first letter. Okay, our next letter is sweet. I like it. Um, It's nice. It's not the kind of question I often get. Um, and so I thought it would be a, a nice sort of uh, way of breaking up, uh, the pain, the pain. The subject <laughs> is help. Am I the boring friend? Dear Prudence, I live a pretty quiet life. I'm in my late twenties and happily married. My spouse and I have a cat, Are house hunting, and we'll likely get a dog. We both have good jobs that we find fulfilling as well as hobbies that keep us entertained. I'm really happy. My life is steady. I've been Skyping some of my closest friends weekly during the pandemic, and I can't help worrying that I'm the boring friend. While they recount tales of recent dates and moves across country and epiphanies on the road to finding themselves, I feel pretty settled in my life. I don't wish I was still in that part of life. I'm really happy where I am. But I do worry that they'll get tired of talking to me with my less exciting stuff to report. Fantastic first kisses are inevitably more exciting than being pre-approved for a home mortgage or a really great book I read last week. I can love, support, and listen to them, but I can't always relate. I've read advice for friends who feel left behind when everyone around them couples up or starts families, but I haven't read much of the opposite. Of course, I do have people in my life who are in a more similar position to mine, but I love these friends dearly, and I want to make sure our relationships stay strong. First of all, Congratulations. One thing that you do that's sort of interesting is everybody who writes to me about video conferencing with friends and family is doing Zoom and you're doing Skype. That's great. You have like an interesting technological quirk that makes you stand out in 2021.
1: Yeah, keep Skype in business, please. I don't like the supremacy of Zoom so much.
0: I used Skype in college when I was in a long distance relationship and I haven't heard like a Skype sound in a long time, but I I feel like if I heard it, I would have like a Pavlovian reaction and I'd be like, I'm in my freshman dorm again and I'm in love.
1: Yeah, Skype is very much the in love in the year 2010 app. But also this person's life sounds incredibly pleasant and there is no reason to feel that their friends are anything but happy for them, right? I mean, I, did I miss something?
0: You didn't. I'm just still basking in the fact that you thought I looked like someone who might have been in college in 2010. <laughs> I feel so youthful.
1: Yeah, um, right? You're like 19. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, like <laughs> this, I, I, I get that this letter writer's insecurities and fears feel big. There does not seem to be any indicator that your friends think you're boring or that they're sick of hearing about the books that you've read. Or that they want you, you know, part of what's really exciting when you have a great first kiss to share is sharing it with people whose lives are really steady so that they can give you the sort of, like, excitement and warmth and distance that you, like, if somebody else is like, well, I just had an amazing first kiss, it's like, fuck you, this is my thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a symbiosis, I think, between, like, the single wild people and the more settled, more married people, you know? That's how you You make a sitcom, right? You know, you,
0: you get a few of each.
1: Yeah. You need a balance, I think, in in your friend circle. And it sounds like you have one. You've got friends who are in your position and you've got friends who aren't aren't there yet for whatever reason. That's nice.
0: Yeah. You know, if anything, um, if you feel like this is in some way an indicator that maybe you and your friends are only sharing the good and exciting stuff with one another and you want to spend a little bit more time sometimes talking about your fears or anxieties, You can. Usually, actually, I hear from people where it's the opposite. Like my friends and I complain to one another too much and I want to find ways to get back to talking about the things we care about. But maybe part of the problem here is this sense of we're giving each other highlight reels and you've got more items cropping up because my life stage is a little more settled than yours. But that could be part of the the problem is just the sense of like we're supposed to be trading highlights. And if I don't have enough good ones to keep your interest, you won't want to stick around. And that, to me, suggests that maybe there's a fear that my friends don't really want to be friends with me unless I'm exciting.
1: I mean, for me, when I I have been both friends in this equation, and when I was the still sowing my wild oats friend, I liked hearing about people's mortgage situations and upcoming weddings and stuff I wasn't doing yet, but you know, wanted to do eventually. I mean, it's helpful and it's a little aspirational sometimes you know again it's a symbiosis between friendships and if the problem is more that you are bored by your own life and your own updates that's that's not really something that could be resolved by just you know going out train hopping and blasting a bunch of fat rails of coke like that's not how you solve that situation either. So I, I think you're good. Although, I mean, I, I
0: kind of want to do suggest now that this person take like a poppers-fueled cross-country trip because that sounds funny. <laughs> um, and I wonder how many poppers it would take you to get across the country. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I think at most letter writer occasionally share with your friends that you worry you're a little boring. That will make you feel less alone. I think they will be able to reassure you pretty quickly and, and you it, it won't feel quite so true because it's just the secret in the back of your head. Beyond that, I'm really not getting a vibe that you're like secretly miserable with your own life. I think it's great that you've had a kind of boring, nice year. I imagine actually a number of your friends have felt kind of comforted by that and they, they're happy for you. Um, I just don't think you need to overthink this. If you're worried about making sure your relationships with your friends stay strong just tell them that, you know, just, just tell them that you value their friendship, that you love them. You want to make sure that you stay close, that you want to have more conversations of, of a variety on a variety of subjects and about different things that you have going on. And I'm sure you relate. you know, you've, you've had a first kiss, I, you know, you've moved before I bet, or, or I'm sure you had an epiphany once or read <laughs> about one in a good book. Like I bet you can relate. You're just not going through the exact same thing at the exact same th- time, which is not the same thing as relating. That's like synchronicity.
1: It's an interesting type of FOMO, I think, that's being expressed here because it's not its not precise FOMO. You're not feeling like you're missing out on the experiences themselves. There's this secondary level of like connectivity with your friends that you're worried you might be missing out on. And I don't think that, like, that doesn't come through for me in any way except in your own anxieties, I don't think. There's no indication of like actual information you're receiving that would confirm that you are missing out on that. It it seems to be there.
0: I think that's, yeah, that's, that's really true. If, if it seemed like the letter writer was saying like, God, part of me does a little bit wish I w- had more first kisses in my life. I might have a different answer, but I, I really just think this is, you know, sometimes when life goes well, your brain thinks, mm, that seems fake. And tries to look for problems on the horizon (laughs) to give itself something to do. And this is a great moment to just like, you know, uh, put a little fresh air and sunlight on that theory and see how it stands up. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's leave the land of the boring. Not that I found (laughs) that letter boring, but you know, uh, we're going to head right back into just big neon problems.
1: And what a problem. You get to read it. Subject, secret baby. We've all been there. Dear Prudence, my sister has been diagnosed with a host of mental health issues. She has been hospitalized twice this past year for suicide attempts. She just moved back home with my parents after breaking up with a violent partner and losing her job. While helping her move, I found a paper from Planned Parenthood showing she's pregnant. We are pretty close, so I was surprised she didn't tell me. I know she has been pregnant by this man before in a desperate attempt to keep him in her life words, but she lost the baby. I've been sitting on this news, hoping she will reach out, but she hasn't. I'm at an impasse and need advice. I want to confront her, but I'm afraid that I'll lash out at her from fear and years of frustration with her behavior. She inconsistently receives help for her mental health issues. She is in no position to become a parent, in my opinion, but I know it's not my choice, and to be honest, I'm scared for this baby. My parents are older I'm unwilling to raise her kid and she has no support system. I'm scared she'll try to commit suicide again when she realizes this baby will not bring her an idealized future. How can I help this kid? Who boy, we are all over the place.
0: Yeah, I really want to start by just like bringing the letter writer back cuz they're like 18 miles down a track and they need to they need to slow down.
1: Yeah, they uh I mean, to my mind, the most telling single sentence in this letter is, I want to confront her, but I'm afraid that I'll lash out at her from fear and years of frustration with her behavior. First and foremost, there is absolutely the possibility that you saw a piece of paper out of context, and whatever you saw is not the case. There, I mean, this isn't even the point that I'm eventually going to try to make, but there's a chance that she lost this baby, There's a chance that, you know, a pregnancy is a volatile thing in a lot of people's lives. And Mm -hmm. if you were to confront her, who knows what would be revealed to you? It might not be what you think. That said, if she is indeed pregnant right now, that sentence sounds to me like the reason she did not come to you, because I bet that if you're scared, you'll lash out at her. She is 10 times as scared that you'll lash out at her.
0: I think that's a really good point. Um, You know, the question is, how can I help this kid? But what clearly feels most pressing to this letter writer is I'm angry at my sister. I'm frustrated that she hasn't sought help in the way that I think she should have. I don't like that she's tried to hurt herself or like been volatile in the past. And I want to, you know, even though I know I don't really have a right to, I kind of want to tell her she can't raise a baby. She shouldn't expect help from me or our parents. And, you know, really lay into her. And that, letter writer, I don't want to fault you for having complicated or ungenerous feelings towards a sibling. You know, feelings are simply feelings. You are allowed to feel hostile towards somebody who is suffering. That does not, you know, take you beyond the pale of human experience. But I I do think you need to begin by being honest with yourself and, and say your primary desire right now is not to help a hypothetical kid. It's to be angry at your sister. It's to lash out at her and to say, all these times in the past that I've helped you in a crisis, I was also withholding information from you um, or I was building up a resentment that I only partially shared with you and I'm actually really mad. I take this pregnancy or potential pregnancy as like an attack on me um, and I want to attack you first. And that, I don't want that for you.
1: I, I definitely pick up on this you know, the letter writer says she and her sister are pretty close. And yet the sister has not done the thing you do when you're close with somebody and, you know, brought you this privileged information that you seem to feel you've bought yourself the right to have over years of being supportive towards your sister and developing that closeness. And in reality, you I mean, not just you, like nobody has a right to privileged information about anybody else. The fact is that you saw something you were not intended to see are making wild leaps based on a piece of of out-of-context information that you saw inadvertently. And you just, I mean, for your own sanity, you really got to stop.
0: Yeah, if the situation were not as volatile as this one, I could see a potential case to be made for somebody to say, I'm really sorry, I did not mean to see it, but I did see this letter and I just wanted to let you know because I didn't want to hold that back from you. If you want to talk about it, I'm here. If you don't, that's fine. Um, I don't think this letter writer is in such a position to make such a disclosure to her sister. So, you know, letter writer, as Rack said, you may have misunderstood. It's possible that she went to Planned Parenthood because she's planning on terminating that pregnancy. It's possible that she has subsequently miscarried that pregnancy, I think you need to assume that if she does carry this pregnancy to term, you will eventually get informed. Maybe not as quickly as you would have liked, but you will. You will get roped in. And if she does not invite your input, that does not mean that you need to make sure you give it to her. Um, Even the fact that she has tried to harm herself repeatedly, even the fact that she does not always receive treatment for her mental health issues, um, those may frustrate you. And Cause reactions within you that you don't always know what to do with, but that does not mean that it would be loving, appropriate, or right for you to say to her, "I know you're pregnant. I think I know you're pregnant, and I want to tell you what you should do." Um, if you're not being invited to give your feedback on that front, don't give it.
1: Yeah, and I I do think that part of this letter to me reads as a fear of being roped into the care of this secret baby, and you know I I'm picking up on. I'm afraid that my sister's going to hurt herself and I'll be stuck with the kid, which is, I guess, a fear you can have. But at this stage, first and foremost, it's not a helpful fear to have and it's not a helpful fear to nurture. Yeah. And also, just because you have your frustrations with your sister, which it sounds, you know, I can't lie in this situation. I would probably feel frustrations of my own. I would want to say, like, sister, there's support that I can give you and support that I can't. And you're within your rights to to do that. But it's, it is, it is yeah, the word that you used, Danny, was ungenerous. And I think it is pretty fundamentally ungenerous to just flat out say, my sister is not capable of raising a kid. I refuse to do it, but how can I help? It's It's a little sanctimonious in a way that just smells off to me.
0: Yeah, and again, it's like, letter writer, you are trying to work out years of uh, emotional withholding by this kind of fantasy of having it all out over the subject of a pregnancy. Because I think the things that have led you to that point is this idea of like, okay, if I had ever told her that I was frustrated in the past, or that I did not want to, you know, offer her a particular type of help or attention that would not have been okay. That would not have been loving. That would have been abandoning someone in a crisis. There's no way I could have set any limits in a way that would have been loving and respectful. Um, But But this is the
1: last straw.
0: And now that there's a hypothetical child, I can displace all of my needs, all of my frustrations and say, well, it's because of the baby. Because the baby, you know, is is a, a clean slate, a fresh person, somebody who we all have to agree comes first. And so I can really push all the things I didn't say on my own behalf onto the baby. And I just don't think it works that way. And and again, you might feel really frustrated with how your sister handles her own mental illness, but I, I will just say that she, she still has the right to make her own decisions about her reproductive choices. Like that is still inviolably hers.
1: And by the way, it doesn't sound like she's asked you for any help so far, like even... Regular, can you help me out in this normal pregnancy way? So, like, I the it's this interesting fear that you have of being roped into something that you haven't been roped into yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe you never will, and maybe you'll only be roped in in ways that feel appropriate, and maybe requests will be made of you that you don't think are appropriate. And that those are textbook bridges you cross when you get to them,
0: yeah. And so, you know, you say my parents are older, okay. You, you don't have to manage this for them. You should not try to manage this for them. It may be hard for them to see their daughter in a lot of distress. And I know, I'm I'm sure you love your parents, but you need to let them handle that distress. You need to let them figure out ways that they can look after themselves and provide her with care and try to set limits where they need to. You know, you, you, you've jumped to, she's definitely pregnant. She's definitely keeping the baby. She's definitely going to raise the baby herself. And she's going to like, you know, just flit off and leave the baby with my parents, which like, you can cross that bridge when you come to it. But if you go to your sister and you just say, I just know these next eight things are going to happen, all you are going to do is drive a huge wedge between the two of you. So I, I think you should act like you didn't see that letter. I think you should continue to keep like a loving, slight distance. You know, your sister's not in a crisis right now. She's currently broken up with that guy. She's living with your parents. Um, take a little breathing room, give yourself some time to think about things that aren't how your sister is doing, you know, I I think get a little Alan on here. You know, it sounds like you spend a lot of time trying to make sure you're controlling and managing your sister's experience with her own mental health issues. And it sounds like that's not working for you. And it doesn't seem like it's made her problems go away either. So I don't say that like pretend she doesn't exist, you know, mentally like abandon her, um, forget that she has problems. I just mean like stop making yourself the person who needs to go into crisis mode all the time. And, um, Go focus on things that you really care about. And then if and when you do hear from her and she wants something from you, consider like writing out an example of like, what's something like not incredibly hostile I could say to her that's also not, yeah, let me drop everything and like do what you want right now, you know?
1: Yeah, there is also a lot of space between dropping everything to try and rescue your sister and just cutting her out of your life entirely because you're done. There's a lot of mileage in there. If this baby is real and really happening, there is a lot of mileage between raising the kid yourself and just never acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, I feel like the letter writer is seeing only extremes right now. And there's just so much behavioral space in between those extremes. Like yeah. find an approach that works if this one's not working.
0: Yeah. And just really stick to, if my sister wants to tell me about a pregnancy, she will. And if she doesn't want to, telling her, I read a letter from Planned Parenthood is not going to give me the thing I want, which is like real intimacy, real closeness, real mutual trust. If she does tell you that she's pregnant, you know, at most, ask her, how are you feeling about it? And potentially offer her a congratulations if she's really excited. Don't offer unsolicited advice. If you think she's making a decision that strikes you as really bad, get some distance. Work through your initial big feelings in private, or with a therapist, or in your journal. And then, when you feel like you can speak with a little bit of composure, you know, uh, that's that's about it. I, I just, I really don't think you're in a position to tell your sister. I don't think you should be a parent. Like, just can you imagine that going well? Do you do you envision a world where she says, hey, thanks for saying that to me. I'm going to have an abortion now.
1: Yeah, I do wonder what the goal would be of, you know, what's going to happen if you corner your sister and say, I found your special letter? Like nothing good, right? Nobody has ever responded well to being cornered and asked about something private.
0: Yeah, and like, if she does want to raise the baby and keep the pregnancy, all that's going to do is tell her like, okay, I need to kind of cut things off with my sister. It's not going to push her into thinking, wow, she's really right. I would be an unfit mother. I should not have a baby. So if nothing else, just know that I don't think that would be effective. Like I also think that it would be overstepping your bounds and unkind and unloving, but beyond that, it would not get you what you wanted. So if you need distance from your sister you can do so without blowing up at her. If you need to say to her, I love you. I'm so glad that you're out of that crisis mode. I love you. I'm also kind of wiped. And I say that also like wanting you to continue receiving help. Um, I don't have like a great solution for all of that. I just need you to know a little bit about how I feel. That's that's like not an insane thing to say. Sorry, I don't mean to like use stigmatizing language about insanity in the middle of this (laughs) letter about mental health. But like, you can find ways to talk about complexity here that aren't just like, I'm sick of your craziness. I'm out. I need to go be sane and normal and responsible. And I think it's your fear of saying that to your sister that's kept you from saying the reasonable things. And now all you want to do is say, you'd be a bad mom. You're too upset and like damaged to to live your own life. Let me run it for you.
1: Yeah, I think this is the classic situation where if it feels good, do not say it.
0: <laughs> that's a really great um, and unpleasant